0: Thank you for joining today's Car Logistics Wheels in Motion podcast. My name is Ted Boley. I'm the sales manager here on the Car Logistics sales team. Uh, today, we've brought three distinguished industry experts with over 80 years of experience combined to participate in the discussion about the evolution of the driver recruitment and how to combat the ever-growing driver shortage. pleased to introduce my colleagues. Today we have, first, uh, Dave Chesterman. He's the uh, Director of Recruiting for Carter Express. Next is Curtis Horning. He is the Assistant Director of Operations at Carter Express. And last but not least, we have Jeremy Raymer. He's the CEO and President of DriverReach. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us today.
1: Great to be here. Appreciate it.
0: Yes. So one of the main topics that we keep seeing in the industry is the driver shortage. Uh, It's gradually increased uh, year over year. And recently, the ATA, the American Trucking Association, uh, released their projection that by 2028, uh, we'll be short 160,000 drivers. The bleak reality has many companies scrambling and trying uh, new ways to entice drivers Uh, to choose them over other carriers. To completely understand the state of the driver recruitment, we need to discuss how we got there. So for Jeremy and Dave particularly, uh, how has driver recruiting evolved over the last 10 years? First, you know, talk maybe a little bit about the, the average age of the driver, the DOT laws, technology, lifestyle, personal life, and the compensation.
1: I remember when I first got into the industry, you know, this was, you know, close to 20 years ago, hearing that drivers were a dime a dozen and that old school mentality. I think, uh, I don't think it exists anymore. I certainly don't hear that now, but that, that was something that existed back then. And I, you know, as you know, going back, as you get closer to 2008 and 2009, I recall as I owned a a small truckload carrier, as well as a driver staffing company, um, the demand for drivers leading up to that. Driver shortage was a, you know, number one industry issue leading up to that. And then all of a sudden with the, at the worldwide, you know, recession, major recession, it sort of covered that up and it, it it disappeared, but nothing fundamentally changed. Right. And then when we came out of that and then now you're talking about, say, 10 years ago, as the economy continued to uh, accelerate and the demand for drivers and goods uh, continued to increase, it just got incredibly uh, increasingly worse. And I would say today, especially during this pandemic, it's far worse than than I've ever seen it in uh, in in the last twenty years. I would add to that the
2: with the recession, there were so many drivers who exited the industry. Mm-hmm. Some companies chose to to lay off drivers or to cut their fleet. And a lot of those drivers didn't come back to the industry in two thousand and ten or two thousand and eleven. so they they were without a job. They went and found another career. And so we lost a, a pretty good chunk at that point that we didn't get back. Uh, and, and Ted, you mentioned the average age. I, I think the average age is still around 46, 47 years old. Pretty sure that's what it was in, you know, 10 years ago as well. So we're not seeing a influx of new drivers coming into the industry, which, is, which makes it more difficult. Now, you mentioned that the average age is 46 and really
0: hasn't changed too much. But isn't there some bills that... Uh they're looking to try to get past where they would have uh, maybe drivers right out of high school, graduating high school, go into a mentorship program or some kind of training so that they could go right out into the career and making a, a decent wage.
1: There's there's a lot of, it's this, it's a contentious topic, especially amongst, you know, industry veteran, you know, drivers who feel like we don't want these young kids, you know, getting behind the wheel. and And I get that. I understand anyone's concern, whether it's, uh, well, certainly from a safety standpoint, but, but yes, the, the drive safe act is something that now for the last two sessions uh, it's been introduced in both cases by Indiana, uh, you know, uh, congressmen, uh, congressmen and congressmen. Uh, and the whole idea is to create a pathway for, for high school graduates to get into the trucking industry, to get into a, to a pathway to a career. And uh, it's, it's comprehensive. I mean, from an entry level training standpoint and uh, and the and the embracing of a lot of technology safety technology to help drivers you know um, just to I guess mitigate risk and to you know be less concerned of, of their uh, of their performance. That being said, it's years, if it happens at all, years, five, six years would be my guess. But I think personally,' as, as contentious a topic as it is, I think that it's necessary. Otherwise, in the absence of that, the minimum or I should say the average age of a new entrant is about 38 years old. And I think and when the minimum age is 21, but the average age of a new entrant is 38, you can deduct a whole lot from that and realize we're not getting some of the best you know, talent that's out there and in getting into the industry. They're being diverted other places. And this is maybe a second or third or fourth choice. And that's not optimal for us to be able to really build a robust you know future
0: Dave do you have any
2: well i'll add so so kind of on the student and the new entrance um with with covid uh, we saw a huge decline with uh driving schools closing uh, government offices shut down so they drivers weren't able to go do their testing they weren't able to go get their beginners permit their cdl permit um, so that backlog again if, if you think of, of an individual who wants to enter the industry and now he can't there's another there's another obstacle that that steers him a different direction him or her a different direction so um i, I mean it, it will be it will be a while before that's probably back to 100 percent or we're getting the same number of students that we did in the past but i, I think it'll be a couple of years before we reach that again what do you think do you think technology i mean We've gone, we've come far, very
0: far, advanced in technology where we had the paper logs, and now we're doing e-logs and with the trucks connected to the, through the computers and the trucks and so on and so forth. Do you think that's been a deterrent for, you know, retention of the older drivers? I mean, are are they embracing it or are they, you know, is, is it something that they're, it's too sophisticated so they look for other ways of, it, you know, as a
2: career path as they get older. When years ago, when when logs first first kind of came about, and and there were fleets that were testing them, everyone that that tested it lost drivers over it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it wasn't mandatory, so drivers would leave one company to go find a company who didn't use them. Um, obviously, those days are are over. They they can't jump around. But there were also uh, a, a percentage of drivers who left the industry. They didn't want Big Brother knowing everything they did on that logbook. So. Uh, We did lose drivers during that during that period as
1: well. And I yeah, I was going to I was going to say that I think today, though, talk about, you know, another maybe parallel would be cameras. You know, drivers have the same attitude about cameras until they start to realize that this camera, especially the outward facing one. This camera is my friend. This camera can help me if I get if I get in a crash. It may not be, and there's a like very high, you know, likelihood that it's not my fault. This camera can is my witness, and you know, not companies obviously embrace it for that reason. But when drivers start to realize that that's their friend and uh, it's an ally, it's 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 a lot easier to embrace. I think there's still some resistance in the inward-facing cameras, and I understand that. I think some of that comes with just just education of you know what's being recorded, what isn't, and you know, and so on. But I think overall. There, I would think, and Dave. You know, do you feel like there has been a a shift towards embracing technology more than the resistance to it in the last, say, five years or so? I I do, I do. Uh, I can
2: I can remember years ago, uh, new driver orientation. We spent uh, better part of one day on how to use a Qualcomm was the system we used yeah. at the time, and over time we had that down to maybe 15 minutes because everyone had been exposed mm-hmm. and so now it's it's kind of the norm it's more it is more accepted and they want to see enhancements to what's in the cab so
0: how's the lifestyle uh and personal life changed i mean i guess we all you know when i was a kid you saw smoking a bandit right everybody has everybody's favorite kid movie you got the Trans Am running down and you got this this truck with a cool scene on the side and they'd be out forever they would you know really would live on the road but today, that's that's really that's really not the case, correct? I mean, that, that's changed a lot, especially with the Amazons of the world and all the other consolidation uh, programs out there. I mean, it's, drivers really aren't on the road for weeks
2: and months at a time, correct? Generally, no. So, uh, I'm I'm with you there, Ted. So when I started in recruiting, roughly ten ten eleven years ago, um, the the standard, if you will, was you're out two to three weeks at a time. Uh, earn one day off for every week you're out uh, and then you know and obviously and pay was a piece of that so it was low thirty cents per mile uh, was that starting range and so over the years it is it's changed dramatically to where most calls, most inquiries that we get and I'm sure every company gets is do you have local work I want to be home daily I want to be home every night and of course the pay the pay is uh, we're in a time right now in the last probably the last year or so that pay, well, a little pause with COVID, but prior to that, we saw pay, driver pay going up substantially. Um, like I so said, a little pause with COVID at, at the middle of last year, but we're seeing it again now. It's it's accelerating quickly on, on driver pay. So um, it, as an industry, we're trained and, and drivers are trained, or what's your rate per mile? How often do I get home? Those are like kind of the first two questions. So. To be competitive, you have to have some good answers there. You have to have have something to sell them and something to attract them to your company. That's,
1: if there's an opportunity to communicate, maybe even maybe even above what's you know what the cent per mile is. If you're not, it's that matters, but it only matters if it's what how many miles is it being multiplied by? Because right. otherwise, you could say you know eighty four cents a mile, but if you're only you know hundred miles, a couple hundred miles, that <laughs> ain't gonna cut it. You know, so I think I guess what I would if there's ever an opportunity to communicate uh, what the, you know, kind of expectation is on a weekly basis from a compensation standpoint, or even if there's a minimum or things like that. I think that uh, that can go a long way in, in separating uh, the communication as far as, you know, compensation goes. Curtis, right. you
0: have anything? I mean, I know you're sitting there in the background, kind of to, but you're, you're you're living it with the drivers, right? These he, he, two. He's, uh, two gentlemen are are getting the drivers in, but you're living with the drivers uh, literally day to day in operations. I mean, what have you seen? You've been at Carter for quite some time. What have you seen uh, transition for the drivers over the years? You know, I mean,
3: the the big thing that I you know, it's very easy to combat or you know attack an issue before it comes um, by by adding money. I mean, just like the incentives and things like that. Um, you know, one thing that makes us unique um is you know not only have we increased our driver wages but um we've added some incentive programs you know things where drivers can make extra money just being here being on time doing their job you know professionally safely um and and i think those things help the other big thing in our network is the driver friendly freight i mean i think ultimately we get bids that come across our desk all the time. You know, do you want to bid this freight? Do you want to do this freight? Um, and, and we really look into it and, and make it to where drivers can get home more and, and, you know, and be home. And, um, vacation time's another big thing. You know, these, these guys that, that get out there, guys or gals that get out there and run are, they want to come home and enjoy their home time. So I think that's the big thing that, that I noticed. Um, you know, that's changed a lot over the years.
0: That's probably even changed more since COVID hit. Switching gears just a little bit, um, how the DOT laws kind of affected how a driver, a typical driver is looked at, like say, for example, 10 years ago, this was a, a template for a typical driver. Uh, but now with, you know, the clearinghouses and all the other things that the government's adopted, the DOT rules that have changed, Is that is that driven? Has that been a positive or negative impact on on the
2: recruiting side? Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> so there 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 are a lot of pieces to it that make hiring a driver, making that decision of, of who you hire and who you don't hire, that make it easier on our side. Um, the for the driver, there's some there's some extra. Work a little more time to register for the clearinghouse and and to do those things. Um, so clearinghouse specifically, uh, we we talked the other day there was fifty thousand plus uh, drivers that exited the industry last year, which was the first year of the clearinghouse. so that's that's you know that's a big number to replace, but if those were obviously unsafe drivers who couldn't pass a drug test, we needed them out of the industry as well. so, Yes, it puts more burden on on recruiting and, and retaining your drivers and trying to get new drivers into or new new people into this industry. Getting rid of those 50,000 is a good move. It's, even
1: with a shortage, it's still a positive move. Correct. Yeah, it's been something that, you know, the industry's been wanting for a long time. When I first got into the industry, I remember hearing it's probably a few years into it or maybe oh six about, yeah middle around 2006. I remember hearing about. Uh, this concept of this clearinghouse and I said now wh- why would we not do this? this is great And in fact, in Indiana I was trying to get something done at the state level because there were about seven other states back then that had this done and in fact, John Paul from Carter Express joined me um, with uh, the Indiana Motor Truck Association in this conversation with with the state uh, and and in that in scope of that you know we were starting to put some things together in uh, ATA. American Trucking Association suggested, hey, hang tight on that because we're really close to getting this done at the national level mm-hmm. 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's how that's the speed of, you know, uh, the, the, the process, you know, the legislative process right there at its finest.
0: It, it, Dave and, and Kurt, you, you mentioned, you know, family and, and, and home time and things like that, and We kind of went back and forth. What what do we try to what do, what do you try to do for a driver to make sure that he feels comfortable? I mean, say Sam, I'm, I'm a new driver, straight out of driver training school, never been never you know been over a road on a truck. How do how do you make them comfortable, feel confident when they're out there on the road? You know, they're not going to maybe see their their family every night, maybe you know two or three times a week or whatever the case may be. How what do what do we do that's a little bit different that uh,
2: kind of helps them through that, that stage. So so I'll, I'll start a little bit from the recruiting side and let Curtis elaborate on that. But from the recruiting side, it's nice to, to offer, whether it's a student just out of school, whether it's a five year, 10 year experienced driver is that we're able to sell them. They are going to get consistent weekly home time. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be on a dedicated route and they're home, you know, Friday at 4 PM, every Friday for their time off but we know we're going to have them home weekly. Um, It's going to be consistent and the miles are going to be consistent. So that's, that's one thing with, uh, with our industry, Uh, lumpy miles, lumpy pay. So they get, you know, 3000 miles one week and the next week they get 1700 miles and that's hard for, for a family to, to budget. So we're, we are more consistent with home time and we're definitely more consistent with our weekly miles.
3: I mean, the big thing I would add on that Ted, um, you know, is, is, you know, our network, I, I talk about that all the time. Um, you know, a lot of we it's not that we're out there and we're in all, you know, all the states across. I mean, we, our network stays pretty consistent. A lot of our customer base um, is is within, you know, the Midwest, you know, a little bit. In, yeah. Into the East Coast, down in the Southeast a little bit. So that that makes it easier to, um, you know, if you if you do have some one way business. Um, and you, you know, typically we're going to get that personal load back to their home terminal, so they, you know, get back and turn another load, things like that.
0: I'm going to change the topic uh, a little bit here again. This is like a loaded question. So how how's COVID changed everything? How 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 we operate? How we how we recruit? Uh, you know, a lot of freight just all of a sudden just stopped. I think was it in second third week of March. I remember I was out on the road. And I came back to Indiana and everything was shut down. It was like a ghost town, right? I, I, looking down the highway, there was days that I saw maybe, you know, a handful of cars an hour. I mean, it, it's, it was, it was like, what the heck's going on? So what, what has changed on the recruiting side, uh, during that? Cause, you know, you had a lot of drivers that probably got laid off, uh, during that time. And, you know, they, they probably went out to, to find other jobs, other career paths possibly. Uh, and, you know, are those guys coming back or uh, are they coming back? Or are they, are they
2: still staying where they, where they were? We won't get them all back. So, uh, so again, so you, you think about like 08, 09 with the recession drivers exited the industry to find other work to, to provide for their family. We're going to see the same thing with those who were either voluntarily left due to COVID or their carrier they were with, you know, laid drivers off. So, so we won't get all of those drivers back. Um, uh, it's not all a negative though, because I would also say that it, it highlighted the importance of a, an over-the-road or a local truck driver. So, you know, obviously everybody talks about the toilet paper shortage, but I, I think that's the the best example to show how important it was. I know at the time Walmart said we have the toilet paper in our in our warehouses, we can't get it to the stores, mm-hmm. and. The people taken to the stores were were all all of our drivers. So that was a uh, that was a positive that that it shined a good light on the industry and hopefully I, I know Jeremy like you said we need to ride that wave and and, yeah. and of momentum of positive for the industry.
1: Yeah, I mean certainly we want to leverage as much as we can the the uh, the essential nature that you know that people finally kind of realized how important the industry is and how important truck drivers specifically are. But COVID was tough because I think to your point, Dave, we got a lot of drivers left the industry for a lot of different reasons. But I think a lot of that, you know, was COVID related was because, you know, a fear or concern uh, as rightly so, especially when, you know, they tend to be right in that demographic of the most susceptible, you know, to uh, to the to, to COVID. And so. But then that's bad enough, as it is, but then it's further exacerbated by what Dave shared earlier, right? The schools not being open, not being able to get tested or get permits, and, you know, um, just that entire process. I know as a member of uh, CVTA, Commercial Vehicle Training Association, um, they had, uh, of a normal year, they were at like 60%. Uh, capacity in terms of what they normally do, what they're normally able to produce in um, in new drivers. And so when you lose this, you have this mass exodus, which is considerably more than a typical year, and then add to that a fraction, well, maybe two-thirds of what is normally coming in, and then let's add a uh, clearinghouse. You know, on top of that, that was kind of a perfect storm of of you know, that just further exacerbated the, the shortage. Good. And we
2: also, and I'm sure many fleets saw this, that our current drivers who are trainers for those new students coming in that did the on-the-road training, they opted out of training due to COVID fears. Right? They don't want a guy they've never met before in their truck with them for the next four to six weeks. So they, you know, they, vol- they didn't leave the company, but they said, hey, "I don't want to train for a little bit. Let's see what happens with COVID." So you, you've got there's not there's not a whole lot coming in, and then what? does trickle through we have to regulate how many we can bring because of our trainer situation i'm sure there's other carriers that are in that same position
0: yeah that that's, that was a great point jerry about the the truck truck driving training schools so if that schooling was all shut down that the, i guess the the faucet was kind of turned off for you know eight months so now we have i mean it's trying to draw new people it's kind of real, really difficult to do that that's that's a really good point
1: and even though it's a great job i mean obviously we know what a great industry it is and and the the the, the earning potential that exists for a professional truck driver. But there are people now, I mean, unemployment is, you know, certainly higher than it's been in a long time. And that's not, I mean, we're people, doors are open. Come on, we'll train you. We want to come. And it's, there's some apprehension still. And I think that will start to wane as, uh, as we continue to see, you know, lower uh, cases, lower deaths, uh, further, um, expansion of, of vaccinations. I think we'll get we'll get there where people feel more comfortable uh, to kind of get back into it. But but we need those people. We need to bring able-bodied you know people into the industry and and pick up the slack.
0: One other thing I want to talk about on the COVID. Uh, you, I think uh, Dave you kind of touched on it is teams. So you know you have drivers that are singles that are out there just you know by themselves have to take their um, their brake, just like any other driver, and then he's sh- the tractor set- shuts down. But then you have the teams that you know one driver's in the bunk and another driver's driving, so they kind of coordinate so that truck can can run more, more time during the day. How's the COVID affected that? Uh, whereas you know, hey, I I've, I've got a team partner, and now he when he goes home he's with his family. I'm with my family. They do different things. They may. You know, say they kind of come in contact with someone with COVID. Now they're in a team bunk with them. So how, how has that kind of affected um, the recruiting process in the industry? On the
2: on the hiring side, we haven't had too much issue with that. Fortunately, uh, the the teams we've hired uh, we've hired a handful of teams recently that were uh, husband wife or boyfriend girlfriend teams. So that kind of eliminates that concern. Um, we do have from time to time we will try to pair us uh, two solos who are interested in teaming. And that's where, it, that's where it gets a little tricky Because again, there could be fears on their side. Mm-hmm. And of course, we don't want to pressure that and, and put two people together. And then, you know, unfortunately somebody gets COVID. I mean, we don't, we're not putting a lot of uh, emphasis on that right now. So husband, wife, wife team, boyfriend, girlfriend, brothers, sisters, whatever, uh, you know, family members are, are pretty safe option right now. And we've been fortunate to to grab quite a few here recently.
0: Jimmy, what have you seen uh, with your software? What's, what's, how have you done anything to adapt for that?
1: Well, one of the things from a technology standpoint, uh, it's interesting, you know, necessity is the mother of, well, generally you hear necessity is the mother of invention. In this case, I would say it last year necessity was the mother of adoption and a lot of companies who weren't, um, leveraging technology, using it at all, had to embrace it because if they weren't, i.e. they they didn't have a, a you know, mobile friendly application, they didn't have the ability to recruit or communicate with drivers electronically and manage that entire process electronically, digitally. If they didn't, they were dead in the water. So from that standpoint, the embracing of technology accelerated considerably at the company level, especially as it relates to recruiting. Um, So so that's all good, because that's going to provide a better experience for everyone anyway. It's more efficient. It's streamlined, certainly safer in a in a covid environment. But I would say um, I thought about that team question, you know, and that's a conversation that I've heard before. And I I've heard a lot of companies express their frustration with their inability to hire teams. And I think the fact that you've had success is a testament to you as a company. And I know just because I know the company really well, I know the reputation that it has in the industry. And I want to I'm just I what what's the what's your turnover? I mean, it's really low,
2: isn't it? Yeah. So I so I I recently joined Carter. That's probably should have been at the beginning, but uh, uh, beginning of February. So I was looking at some turnover data and for January and February total turnover. I annualized that and we're like 28 percent. So turnover is is really good we always want to drive it even lower uh but that is something that definitely helps attract other drivers yeah to have that information
1: but i'm not surprised i mean um just knowing what i know but i just think that's that's an important point i think covid is a huge asterisk that's going to be there for a long time but there was certainly pre-covid and there will be a post-covid and and that will be more normal but i think um it's it's well, for one, uh, companies that that do things better, that care more, that are that have a stronger culture and and they put an emphasis on the things that matter. And turnover is an indicator, indicative, I think, of culture um, and, of course, driver friendly freight. I think that matters a lot. But uh, but it's also, you know, how did you respond during this time, this really difficult time where a lot of people struggled? How did you respond? We were all in a thick of a mess and we're you know, on our way out of it. We we believe certainly better than it was. But how did you respond? How did you take care of your people? Because that's where I think the the cracks show when there's that pressure like that, you know. And so I think being able to prove and this isn't the comment necessarily only about you, but I think there's a lot of companies that were able to perform well and actually come out on the other side a lot better. And it's because they they knew, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Here's an opportunity for us to be a lot more human with our employees. Um, Certainly put things into better perspective, what matters, making sure that you're – I'm not going to put the trainer in a position where he doesn't feel safe. And, you know, no way. That's not worth it. You know, and that, I mean – I'm not your marketing person, but I think those are the types of things that you should communicate because I think it resonates with people
0: what one of the things that uh when when a driver leaves a company the drivers uh, we kind of do an exit interview uh, on the driver's perspective pay uh, is like third or fourth on one of the reasons why they leave what what do you What do you see in with recruiting um the drivers, what are they, why are they, why are they leaving? It's, it's not necessarily because of pay. It's, it's other reasons, correct, that are higher on the list?
2: Yeah, and, and I think one that, that always comes to the top, and I think always will, is how they're treated or the respect they get from the from the carrier that they're working for. And so kind of back up to the beginning, and, and Jeremy, you said that, you know, back in the days, it was drivers are a dime or a dozen, dime a dozen. I mean, that that's not true. Um, no one's going under that premise any longer, but we still have to respect our employees, right? We still have to respect our drivers. We still have to understand what they're doing every day and the sacrifices they make. And obviously we have to pay them, right? We have to, we have to hold up our end of of what we're recruiting to, but they're, they're people just like the four of us on the call, right? We have to respect them and treat them well. And I think, Obviously, we're doing a good job of that with with our low turnover, uh, but there are still carriers out there and still things that happen out on the road where they don't see that respect, which which leads them to uh, look for different jobs. Yeah, I
0: mean that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, we we wouldn't have jobs if we didn't have drivers. I mean, I mean that's a that's one of the things that I've always taken to heart. Uh, even when I started car, I was a logistics analyst, and you know I talk to drivers all the time. I mean these guys are coming. I mean I'm now out there on the road with them. They they don't know that. You know, when I'm looking at a route and I see it's only five miles apart, well, that five miles apart may take them a half hour at 4:30 in the afternoon to get there. So, I mean, there, there's just things like that that I, I think we really do well uh, with communication with the driver. Uh, Jeremy, what, what do you, what do you, what's your perspective on
1: that? You know, respect is always you know near the top, and I think that's a that's a very loaded word because it, it manifests itself in a lot of ways, and maybe not even like just the cents per mile, but do they feel overall that they're being, um, that they're, that they're being valued, you know, for the work that they're doing, that they're being compensated fairly and appropriately for all the work that they're doing at the end of the day. Do they feel like you respect their time, that you respect their voice? And I think, you know, you're talking about Curtis uh, and that feedback. I think that matters a ton. When you have a, um, a a process in place to, to to foster you know ongoing feedback and dialogue and you want to hear it good or bad you know you you don't get to choose what you look like in a mirror it is what it is right and so you i want to know you know let's tell you know and so when you can tell uh when you when the driver when you i guess enable the driver and give them the freedom to be able to communicate openly candidly about that, that might be bothering them um, and then when you do something about it that's a big deal because they know that it matters that the a, that you let them talk to you and that you listen and then you, you do something, you act. And I think those are the types of things that will lead to a great, great culture, uh low turnover and, and a feeling of respect. I, I we were, I ran across a great example of that.
2: <laughs> Again, I, I've only been here for uh, you know a short period, but, we had a driver last week who contacted uh, actually uh, someone in orientation who was kind of his, his first contact and said, hey, I'm on route XYZ and it picks up at eight o'clock in the morning. Due to the way it, it runs, I hit, I don't remember, I believe it was Atlanta traffic every day at like 4.30. He said, is there any way I could pick up at 6 a.m. It's, you know, by backing the pickup time up a couple hours, it saves him two and a half hours, you know, total in the day. And it's easy on the carrier side to say, no, that's how the customer wants it. That's how we want it. Just deal with it. But, you know, that got passed from different folks to get the right people involved. And early this week, we get an answer back that we've talked to a customer on at each location. Everybody's fine with the change. And now the driver gets two and a half hours back of his day. And, you know, there was a little work, which was, which was fine. It's, it's picking up a phone, we weren't digging a ditch, but we listened to the driver, what could make his life better? What makes that route better? And we made the change and, you know, the, he's got to love that. And, and, yeah. and we, I like it that he, he can bring that to us and it doesn't fall on deaf ears. We want to listen to that. We want to make changes when we can.
0: Yeah, it's, we're, we're all part of this big team, right? we big family. And we can't we can't go forward if we don't work together that's one thing that i have seen i mean there's you know driver's perspective my perspective your perspective it's we we all just want to do the best that we can to move move forward right and to provide the best quality of life quality of uh you know quality of the truck that they're driving so on and so forth um speaking of of enhancements and so on and so forth what, you know, some of the technology we've done, I mean, I know we said earlier that, you know, technology uh, has grown and it has changed over the years, but has it actually made the driver's life uh, a little bit easier? Uh, I mean, as he's made, you know, you know I, I think with our onboarding, uh, onboard systems that we have, I mean, little ladings can be scanned in and so on and so forth, correct? So, I mean, what, can you I even touch on that, on Curtis and Dave, about how, how it's made the driver's life a little bit easier. Uh, maybe not to dock as long, so on and so forth.
2: I'll let you yeah. take that one, Curtis.
3: Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, technology, um, like Jeremy had, had stated earlier, um, you know, people need to embrace it. It just makes their lives a lot easier. Um, there's apps out there now that allow you to take pictures of PODs so that things don't get lost, um, dumping those into the system, you know, Fuel, finding the cheapest diesel fuel. You know, we have all this stuff at our hands. Um, you know, the 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 in dash cameras. I mean, those are there to protect the driver ultimately. Um, and if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing um, and, and being safe, like you know, a lot of the industry is, um, you know, you're not going to run into those issues or or you know things like that. Um, I mean, that's the big the big things I noticed from an operational standpoint. Um, I encourage it. I You know, I tell drivers anytime, come in. I'll show you how to use this. I'll walk you through it step by step um, on how to use these these technologies that are at your fingertips.
0: Yeah, I think technology is, is – I mean, some of the stuff we even have in-house, uh, our crosstalk technology has gone uh, – evolved over the years where it's kind of made our, our system move more more efficient through um, – with a driver being at the dock and so on and so forth. And then our BI tools that we've instituted, you know, like Dave talking about the, the driver um, turnover is only 28%. I mean, being on top of that, um, the real time reporting really uh, lets us manage the, the, the process a lot easier and be able to react and be more proactive uh, to be ahead of an issue perhaps with a driver and so on and so forth. You know, I'm kind of winding this up. I don't want to go too long. Jeremy, is there anything else that maybe you want to touch on? I know we've been kind of going back and forth and all over the place, but.
1: Well, I, I think what's exciting just to kind of um, tag on the conversation about technology in a cab spe- uh, specifically, as 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 semi-autonomous and autonomous technology continues to evolve, I really think that that not only does that, you know, play a better role in improving safety, but I think it can really help to attract more people to the industry um, especially because I know with I have a car that has semi-autonomous technology in it and that enhances the driver experience I mean that it does and so if that can be and as we continue to evolve that's something that um, attracts more drivers to the industry I am not one of those people that thinks that 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 autonomous functionality if and when it ever does completely fill out is uh, is going to be the demise of of drivers. I do not think in my business lifetime that uh, that there will be trucks that don't have drivers in them. That doesn't mean that the technology wouldn't be there. There's so many it's just not it's it's not a reality in my opinion.
0: You, you have black eyes. I mean how, what technology yeah. can can see black eyes out
1: for snow. You uh, get snow on yeah. a hallway. You don't yeah. see a thing. Yeah. You know, I mean there's it's just not realistic. However When you are driving, you know, 300 miles down open, you know, interstate, it's beautiful when you can, you know, have that, you know, you know, kick in some of that technology and let that drive a lot of the way for you. It just makes for a much better experience. So I think I think that's what it kind of excites me. We talked earlier about, um, you know, leveraging the, the, the sentiment that exists right now towards drivers. We certainly want to carry that forward and continue to tell our story and, you know, help improve our image of the industry. But I think things like that will also help, you know, as we continue to evolve, it attracts more people to the industry saying, man, that's, I look inside of the cab of a truck and it's like a cockpit of a spaceship. Oh yeah. yeah. Cool.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. is. Uh, Dave, uh, any last words you have?
2: No, I think, uh, being in, you mentioned earlier about being in, in this industry for years, uh, it's never been easier easy to hire drivers, uh, and, and I don't anticipate that it ever does get easy. But uh, like always, we're we're going to continue to evolve and do better things to to attract drivers and uh, keep fighting that fight. Curtis, any parting
0: words?
3: No, you know the big thing is that you know that I notice. Um, you know, and and I'm thankful for drivers. I I've changed my whole perspective ever since I got into this industry. Um, when I'm out there on the road and and I you know and I see truck drivers and things like that, um, you know I'm I'm always respectful and and I kind of let no other other motorists around me know when I when I think they're doing something stupid around a semi or a or a commercial motor vehicle. So, um, but no, those are the big things that
0: that I I wanted to add. So, agree 100%. Well, well, Jim, I want to take this opportunity to thank you on behalf of our audience uh, for the beneficial information on the current state of the driver recruitment and for sharing your perspective on the ways that uh, recruit and retain drivers. On behalf of the group today, I'm Ted Boley, and I thank you for joining us on this Carter Logistics Wheels in Motion podcast. Thanks, guys.
3: Thanks for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, please send your ideas to marketing at carter-express.com. Until next time.